dedicated to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or saber a bottle. And let's begin exploring the wine glass. Today on the podcast, we return to Winefabet Street, where the letter of the day is V, and it stands for Villain. I was so excited to be able to see some familiar faces, even if it was only through the computer. Talking with Andres Horke, Andrea Geary, and Erhard Human brought back wonderful memories of my trip to Villan a couple of years ago for the Franck and Franck conference. Everyone knows how much of a Cab Franc fiend I am. So when it came to reaching out for a sponsor for the letter V, I knew where to go and was beyond thrilled they agreed to share their stories with us. An extra special thank you to Atia Tansko for arranging everything. I know you are going to enjoy this episode as much as I did. The wines are distributed in the United States, so be sure to find them and add them to your collection. I promise you won't be disappointed. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, someday service, champagne specialist, and WSET level 2 graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials, as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. Oh yeah. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Wine for Bet Street. It is hard to believe that we are in the second season and already up to the letter V. And I, I mean, I know I say this a lot, I get excited every month that we do Wine for Bet Street, but this month I am beyond excited because I am seeing faces that I met, like I think it's two or three years ago when I had the honor of traveling to Villan as us Americans, Villanay, um, and I got to see them. And it's so nice to see faces again. And they, Villanay is known for their Cab Franc and everybody knows how I am all about the Cab Franc. So welcome, welcome, welcome. We have three amazing guests here today. We have um, Andres uh, Horke, Andrea Gear, and Erhard uh, Human who I probably pronounced incorrectly, um, but, you know. It's perfect. <laughs> that is what Americans do so well, pronounce things incorrectly. So if you guys want to do a inter brief introduction first and tell us who you are and um, how you uh, are into the wine world, and we will get going. So um, Andres, you want to start first? Okay. So hi, everyone. Uh, I'm very happy to see you again after a few years, and I'm very happy to be here uh, on this tasting today. So I'm representing our family winery. So we have a family winery uh, since 1978, let's say. Uh, actually, it dates back uh, seven, generation, uh, seven generations, so it has a longer history. But as you may know, uh, Hungary had uh, a little break uh, for two generations. So actually my father had to restart everything in 78. So that's, uh, that was the point when our family business started again. Uh, so now we are uh, cultivating 75 hectares of plantation. And I am working also in the family winery now since uh, 2003. Uh, actually it's a family business. So everybody can find its own work and their own task uh, in the family. 
we are not only making wine, we are also in the hospitality. So we have a small uh, family hotel uh, with a restaurant. So um, it's a more complex uh, thing, but we love it. And wine is a beautiful thing. So I'm very happy to, to uh, work in the family business. And it's nice to work with, uh, with the family together. Beautiful. Um, Erhard? Okay. Um, maybe it takes a little bit longer, more from my side, um, because um, I think I have to explain uh, why we are making wine as foreigners in Hungary. And uh, the starting point is the US. In 1973, I traveled with Greyhound bus, had a two month uh, Greyhound ticket. And there I met in Las Vegas, in the Greyhound Terminal, five o'clock in the morning, a, a young Swiss lady. Okay, afterwards we traveled together. Uh, she came to Germany to visit me. She, she stayed to work there. During the time I had to finish my school. Afterwards, uh, I studied in Constance, which uh, is a university close to the uh, Swiss border. And from then on, we lived together. That means 48 years now. And uh, only in Switzerland, I learned about wine. Before, I only had, let's say, uh, a glass of um, semi-sweet Lambrusco. But that was all. But during my time in Switzerland, I learned about good food. And then, of course, I learned about good wine. And the reason was uh, um, the husband of um, the best friend of my wife, Italian, he was very much into wine and he pushed me and uh, yeah, so um, I was very, I became very interested in wine, drinking wine, reading about wine. And uh, when my father-in-law approximately 30 years ago came to Villain for a different reason, he was making fireplaces back home in Switzerland. And uh, somebody has told him that he can make quite cheaply uh, metal parts for his fireplaces he came here that business that did not work but when he came back he has bought a small plot of land where he also built a small weekend house where we are living now here and uh, yeah and then over time we started to make hobby wise some wine and uh, decided in 2003 to start uh, in a professional way with approximately two thousand two and a half thousand bottles at this time Currently, we have uh, 35,000 bottles uh, with uh, 12 hectares, 10 hectares yielding. I'm the only one who, who doesn't have a winery, and I'm not a winemaker. <laughs> <laughs> but my life is, is around the wine continuously. So I'm uh, the owner of the Central European Wine Institute here in Hungary, which is a WSCT APP school uh, in the country. And I'm an official wine educator. And I'm working for the, the wine region, the V-Line wine region, like a strategic advisor, marketing, communication, uh, some branding. And we are doing together uh, the, the brand building since, I don't know, it's probably six, eight years now. And it's I'm very happy to work with them, of course. And I'm also a freelance wine uh, promoter of all the Hungarian wines. I was uh, for six years the the head of the Hungarian Wine Expert Committee. So uh, basically everything which is not making wine, <laughs> it's uh, it's my profession around the wine. Awesome. 
and my co-host, Debbie. I'm Debbie Giaquindo. I'm a certified specialist of wine and a wine location specialist in Port and Champaign. I'm the author of uh, Tapping the Hudson Valley, Day Trips and Weekend Itineraries, Visiting uh, All the Craft Beverage Producers um, in the Hudson Valley. I am co-owner or partner in a restaurant in North Wildwood, New Jersey called uh, Trio North Wildwood, where you can also get Lori's wine to pair with your mail. And... Um, I'm actually, my grandfather was from Hungary. So this, anytime we talk about Hungarian wines, it's, or Hungary, it's really, it's like I'm coming home because we were very instrumental in the, and I know I can't pronounce this, the Tapicola region of, of Hungary. And there's the coat of arms for the Lesner family. That's my maiden name. And one of these days when we can travel again, that is my next trip is to Hungary to see where my grandfather grew up, where my great grandmother had the keys to the wine cellar on the main street. So that's, this is, and of course, this is, this is so. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> so. Awesome. And I am Lori, my husband and I own Dracena Wines in Paso Robles, California. I, we specialize in beloved Cabernet Franc. And in addition to that, uh, my UC Davis winemaking uh, degree, I also have WSET level two, champagne specialist and psalm service. So we are so excited to get into Villan today. I, oh, I'm so happy, I'm so happy. Uh, but we're gonna start off with our little video for our introduction. here to talk about villain villain i know we always say villainy and i keep trying to fix it um but <laughs> one day one day um so my first question is let's let's get right into it and talk about the the pdo itself so where is it located how large is it let's get some information about what the PDO itself. If it's okay, we prepared a very short presentation, okay? Mm -hmm. So where is Villain and what you have to know about that? So the, the story between Villain and the Cabernet Franc has started somewhere in, in the beginning of 2000, when the, uh, one of the world most well-known wine expert, Sir Michael Broadbent, uh, visited Villain and he mentioned he visited and his experience in the decanter and he said his Cabernet Franc has just found his natural home in Villain. So he was uh, really the first big name or most influential wine expert who turned into the attention of the Villain winemaker to special this great variety because used to that we have many more variety like Cabernet Sauvignon Merlot, but mostly in blend. And since that, we try to focus, I mean, the Villain wine region try to focus on uh, on the special grape variety, which grape varieties are loved in Villain uh, and Lori as well, as we already know. 
which origin is is back to France, and it's uh, it's a very versatile variety, which is uh, quite good with adaptability for different climate, from the cooler maritime climate in Loire to uh, Tuscany with the uh, more Mediterranean climate, or even to Wilhelm, which is a sub-Mediterranean climate. Also, the soil is, is very different in the Loire, in Tuscany, or in, in Villain, but uh, the limestone-clay loss uh, combination almost everywhere we can find just as well in, in Villain. Uh, we believe that the, the grape variety itself is more versatile than the Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, it's very similar to structure with a high tannin, with a little bit high acidity, uh, but the fruitiness it's it's not just black, but also the black and red fruit combination uh, with very juicy fruits, but at the same time some sour fruit as well. What we what we rarely find in a uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. And uh, we know it's of course this is the majority of the the vineyard area is in in France and next to Italy. But if we take a look around, that Hungary has the fifth biggest plantation in the world from this grape variety. And especially in Hungary, the majority of this Cabernet Franc uh, is, is in V-Line. So that's why we have very high importance of this critical grape variety, which is in Hungary, we have uh, 22 wine regions. And within these 22 wine regions, we can see it spread all over the country. So from north to south, from west to northeast, almost everywhere. And just like all the other uh, Central Eastern European countries, the majority of our uh, vineyard area covered by white grape varieties. So it's 70% is white and only 30% 30 30 is uh, black grape varieties, which majority is located at the south, where is also VLAN, you can find it. Uh, the majority of the, the black grape varieties are mostly uh, international grape varieties or regional grape varieties like uh, Cape Francoche or Blau, uh, Blau Frankish. And the next one is Cabernet Sauvignon, the Merlot and the Cabernet Franc, which is the fourth most planted grape variety, black grape variety uh, in Hungary. And now we get into Willan, which is our home, if we can say that, which is uh, down to the south. We have, uh, uh, we have seven districts in Hungary and V-Line is located in the southern district of the country, which we call the Panon district. And uh, within that, it's uh, just the south, uh, south, southernmost uh, region next to the Croatian border, absolutely, which is around 2,400 hectares, which is in Hungarian terms is a mid-sized wine region. Uh, with a very special location and because this is the southest point of the country, this is the warmest point at the same time of the country. The climate is all around in Hungary, mostly continental, but uh, here it's, we almost say sub-Mediterranean. It's uh, the average sunshine hour is, is higher than anywhere else in the country. The average temperature is also higher, at least uh, one degree than in the north. Uh, it's uh, the Precipitation is, is average, like anywhere else. The problem is that this is mostly uh, uh, between March and I would say in October, 
but not in this year because we have extremely difficult March and April. It was very wet. But from May to July, it was absolutely uh, without any rain, without any showers. So it's, it's a serious problem. Uh, about the, the surface is uh, moderate healing. Uh, the region between 150 and 350 uh, above the sea level. But the most of the, the best sites around uh, 200, 250 uh, meters above the sea level. The soil is a mix of limestone, a loss, a clay, or loam, a brown forest floor. So it's a pretty uh, versatile soil. But if uh, if I'm going back for this map, it's uh, we can say we divided. We can divide it for two subregions. Uh, the region one is the eastern part, which we call V line. That's the more hilly side, and here the soil is mostly. Uh, clay, uh, brown forest floor, mar or loam. And on the western side of the, the area, it's we call the Shiklosh area. So uh, the Gera Winery is located in the uh, Vilan area and the Hyman Winery most located in uh, uh, the Shiklosh area. So Shiklosh is less, uh, uh, less steep slope, if I can say that, so much more moderate. And the soil is much more limestone and loss combination. So it's a little bit higher acidity uh, what we can find there. About the grape varieties, uh, the, the second most important grape variety, it's uh, the Cabernet Franc. And it's, it's almost there to being the first. It's, uh, the Cabernet Sauvignon was much, much ahead of uh, the Cabernet Franc. But now it's just a very little the difference between them. It's more and more wine producer focused on the Cabernet Franc, like a single grape variety, which is in style, is absolutely different than what you can taste in Loire or anywhere else in Europe. Because of the climate, because of the soil, it's a fuller body with higher tannin, it's with a bit, still a vivid acidity and a little bit of higher alcohol, but because of the location. So again, this is almost a sub-Mediterranean sub climate, so it's Reduce the alcohol, it's a very difficult thing. The flavors are very ripe, black and, and red uh, fruits flavors, combination of black cherry, red cherry, ramble fruit, plum, and also it's a very spicy flavors with black pepper, some herbaceous flavors. Uh, and because uh, by the regulation also, uh, the wine winemakers use uh, quite frequently aging for aging the oak uh, from 250 for 500 liters. It's, uh, you can feel also the notes of the oak age of or the oak in the different sweet spices or dark chocolate. And of course, every premium brand need a, a very serious uh, uh, classification system. And in terms of Cabernet Franc, in Villain, we have a three tiers uh, classification system. The first is a classicus, that's the basic. That's which is gave the very solid foundation of the Cabernet Franc in Villain. It's no obligation or no necessary uh, aging in this category. Mostly it's uh, age for maximum of uh, half year or a year in oak and uh, bottle, but some uh, producer uh, make without any oak. 
The second category, it's one of the most precious category. It's a premium category. The premium, it means lower yield, and it's already a minimum one-year aging requirement in oak. Uh, it's normally, in this category, it means from six, 16, 18 months to 24 months. Uh, Andra and Erhard will tell what a different oak type that they use. And in this category, we use the expansion of the Villa Nitron. So from this premium level, we don't use the Cabernet Franc, mostly we use the Villa Nitron. And from 2015, there is a super premium category also from the 2015 vintage, which is the lowest yield. And uh, there is a minimum of two years aging, uh, which is at least one year in oak. But normally here it's around 18 months to, to 24 months, the, the aging uh, time in oak, and then extra one year in the bottle before the release. And in this case, it must have to 100% uh, Cabernet Franc. So this is, I would say, the DOP or, or, or AOC regulation uh, within the 2,400 hectares, whereas the Cabernet Franc, like a brand and like a premium variety, the most important variety of the region. Deb, do you have a question? No, you know, actually my question was about the um, the different classes. That actually, I've written that down because I wanted you to explain it. But the um, premium does not have to be 100%. It, there can be, is there a minimum amount of Cap Franc that it has to be? 85% is a minimum, but the but uh, generally the premium is also 100% uh, Cabernet Franc. Okay. And the classic would be 85, at least 85% as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, by the law, if you writ, if you put on the grape variety on the label, uh, like a single grape variety, it means it's 85% at least. Okay. So in America, we, we have a 75, our rule is 75. So to call it Cabernet Franc in America, it needs to be 75% Cabernet Franc. So we we take this very seriously in Vlan because if it's written on the label, the grape variety, and especially for the premium brand, uh, the Cabernet Franc or Vlan Franc, it means it's almost in all the cases is hundred percent Cabernet Franc. The majority of the Hungarian white grape varieties are unique uh, indigenous Hungarian grape varieties or regional grape varieties. So like uh, Furmint, like Olas Riesling, like Harsh Levelu like Hungarian crossings. Uh, of course, we have Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc and Ryan Riesling, but uh, I would say this is the this is the more well-known, but the majority, it's absolutely Hungarian grape practice. Andrew and Erhard, your, your wineries are in two, the two different regions of Villan. And so in terms of the ripening of the, I know they're not very far apart because not that I was driving, so, I can't tell you how long it took to get from one to the other. I was just in awe of everything around me. But in terms of ripening and each of your Cabernet Francs, how do they differ or are they really truly aligned in those two regions or sub-regions, I should say? Uh, Andrea, did you or me? <laughs> Okay, just a few sentences. So, uh, as Andras mentioned, we our binary is located in our vineyards are mostly located uh, closer to the villain part, which is a little bit warmer, I think. Also, um, um, the valleys are a little bit, little bit, uh, or the hillsides are a little bit steeper, 
So um, uh, I think also the ripeness is reached, the optimal ripeness is reached a bit earlier in comparison to, to the other part of the, of the uh, wine region. So in the south, we really have to take care on, uh, on the, the real timing and the optimum timing of, uh, of the harvest. Otherwise, we would lose the acidity and that would bring uh, the wine out of balance, which is very, very crucial. So um, um, sometimes only it's a half day or uh, then, it, then when you do have to do the harvest. So um, I think if you taste the two wines side by side, you will really feel the, the, the difference in the style, as Andras already mentioned. Uh, it will be a little bit, from my taste, a little bit, a little bit more sunshine, maybe in the villain part uh, wines like our wine, and more refreshing uh, and fruity style, more from uh, from the other part. But there, there is actually not not a big uh, different distance uh, between the two areas. I think it's 15, 15 minutes driving at Hart or something like that. Uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> so it's really ten, not. Ten not yeah. yeah, not a big, uh, not not a big distance, but the special microclimates from the special vineyards can really give uh, a special character to the wine. So even if they are very close to each other. Mm. Um, yes, I fully agree with uh, what you have said. I think that we in in the Czech sub area have uh, slightly higher acidity. And this was presumably the reason that Sheikbosch was regarded as a white wine spot, let's say, in earlier times. So uh, the reason, in, in my opinion, is it might be a little bit cooler, slightly, but I also think that the layer of less is less thick than in most of the, uh, most of the parts in the Villain region. So uh, we get more more at this uh, mineral uh, minerality in the wine, so have much more acidity because the, the whole hillside is limestone. You may not forget this. And then in terms of the winemaking process itself, are you both like looking for that same bricks level region, you know, range? Are you acidifying or, you know, to, you know, are the specs you're looking for similar? <clears throat> Um, I think it's uh, from our side it's not necessary to add some acidity because the nature gives us sufficient acidity. Like I said, it's it's limestone uh, area and uh, you always have uh, quite a high acidity. In 2016, we had I think 5.9 grams per liter uh, of uh, acidity for the um, for our Villani Franc 2016. So that's, this is, uh, yeah, even with 15 alcohol, um, you feel that this wine is uh, quite elegant and fruity. So uh, that's not, a, it's powerful, but yeah. Okay. I totally agree. So we do not do any, um, so add acidity to the wine. Uh, crucial is optimum uh, uh, the harvest time. And uh, of course, um, we are striving for balance. This is very, very, very important. And we, in our region, as Andras also mentioned, it's a beautiful combination of uh, of a sub-Mediterranean climate that gives the roundness, the softness, the sunshine to the wine in the taste. And on the other hand, there is uh, there is the, the the soil, 
which is based everywhere on limestone. And limestone can give a beautiful minerality, which gives vibration to the wine. So you, you can feel that the wine has liveliness in, inside there. And that's the, it gives really a beautiful balance in the, the softness from the sunshine and the ripeness and uh, the beautiful uh, uh, vibration from the soil. Do you use native yeasts for fermentation? We use uh, native yeast uh, from, from my, uh, we um, selected yeast from my grandfather's old cellar because that oh, has wow. never, uh, uh, the, he never used cultured yeast before. Okay. So we, we went there and um, we uh, selected some yeast uh, from his uh, own cellar, uh, old cellar. And we use his yeast actually with the help uh, of uh, the research uh, center in Page for viticulture and winemaking with their help. Uh, we can uh, we could make our own yeast and we add this yeast uh, for fermentation of our wine. No, we use cultured yeast. Okay. Yeah. And then I want to talk a little bit about the the history um, of I guess this is it ties into the wine world because I know um, uh, when we visited we spent the we spent a few days prior in uh, Budapest and we saw the um, museum that was dedicated to the 1956 uh, revolution. And I have to say being the naive American again, I had no clue that there was such recent history um, of the revolution, you know, in turn, so close to this. How does that, how did that play a role um, in the wine world, uh, you know, in the Vilan and Hungarian wine, how did that go from what they were, you know, determining to wine to the quality that you now have? Who was okay. it? <laughs> I, I cannot talk, talk, talk about this because I only came in 2003, so. <laughs> okay. Okay. okay, just a few sentences. So it's, um, as I mentioned in my introduction, uh, that uh, my parents also started in 78, uh, first dealing with wine and viticulture. Uh, but actually at that time, at that time we had communist regime in Hungary. So it was not really uh, allowed to have uh, big vineyards or to buy land or uh, the maximum what a family could own was only one hectare of plantation. And you could not sell your wine privately. So you had to give your wine uh, all the time to the state-owned cooperative and there all the wines were, wines were mixed and they made a big, big blend uh, with, of course, not a good quality. Uh, and it was mostly sold, uh, sold to the Soviet Union. So um, actually it was, uh, it was a shame because the, the quality of Hungarian wine was, uh, was, was bad at that time. Um, but the Hungarian wine had big history. They were making really good wines in, uh, in Hungary. And we have also the qualities for, uh, for good winemaking here in the Carpathian Basin. Um, and that was totally destroyed during the communist era. And um, after the, the fall of the regime uh, in 1990 or yeah, 98, uh, 89, uh, that was that opened the doors again, let's say. So from that point on, it was possible to buy land again. Um, and from that point on, could also our real uh, family winery start its work because then my father could buy land. My, my grandfather told him which were the best locations for growing grapes before the communist regime. Because at that time, the slopes, uh, the, the, the steep slopes, they were left there because it was hard to cultivate and they were just uh, striving for quantity, not for quality. So uh, all these uh, beautiful uh, 
his sites had to be replanted again. So big, big melioration work had to be started at that time. So we were also uh, buying land step by step. So we could just sell some wine, we earned some money, and then we could buy a little land uh, again. So that was just a step by step uh, um, building. Um, and the quality, of course, at the beginning of the 90s was not the same as we can taste today. Because at that time, um, the, my father's generation had to learn everything from zero again. So these um, big books, in comparison, let's say, with in France or in Spain, these big books were the generation wrote from time to time. They gave it to another generation. Here are the things what we experienced. Please use that. You do not have to find out new things. This is, this is working. So this was missing in Hungary. And my father's generation had to actually start again the, to write these books, how to cultivate the vines, uh, what is the best yield control, what type of oak to use, what to do in the vineyard, and of course, learn their own wine region, what qualities it has. So, um, and it takes actually a long, long time. As you know, it's in, in winemaking and viticulture, everything takes years, many, many years. If you do a plantation, then after six years, you can taste the wine because you have to wait three years to harvest the first bunches. And then you make the wine, you age it in the bottle and then in the bottle. So it takes a long, long time. But I think uh, Hungarian winemakers have done uh, a huge work in these, let's say, short 20 years or 30 years, uh, because it was really a big jump in the quality beginning of the 90s uh, till today. And now a word from our sponsor. Looking to be in the know about Dracaena wines? Want to be the first to know about our new releases and special offers? All you need to do is sign up for our newsletter. There is no commitment necessary, and I promise you we won't spam your mailbox with loads of messages. Need another reason to sign up? Quite possibly the best reason? You'll immediately get a discount code for 10% off your first purchase and be privy to newsletter-only discounts. Let Dracaena Wines turn your moments into great memories. Visit our website, www.dracaenawines.com, or use the link in show notes to sign up. It will take you less than a minute, but the rewards will last a lifetime. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge development in the last 30 years. It's uh, just giving the numbers of, of these things. When in, 2000, in, uh, in the 60s, uh, in Hungary had uh, 200,000 hectares uh, under wine. Without, Hungary was the biggest wine supplier of the, not just the Eastern Bloc, but, uh, but next to France, Spain, and Italy. Hungary was the fourth or fifth biggest wine producer of, of Europe. Uh, then during the, of course, all this wine is just uh, under mentioned that uh, it's, uh, we supplied the whole Eastern Bloc. So, uh, like in the barter business, so we give them wine, we got uh, cars from Soviet Union or whatever. So, it's, uh, it was a, a barter business. Since the 90s, it was a lot of changes. Uh, during, the, uh, during the 90s, we have 100,000 hectares. When we joined the EU, we have uh, 82,000 hectares. And now we have uh, 65,000 hectares, but this is now the level from, I don't know, it's the last uh, seven to eight years. And that's uh, what is good for us, uh, for the size of country of Hungary. 
it's way enough. And uh, of course, the production level in, in the same time is uh, is changed from from quantity to quality. So now we have around 2.53 million hectoliters yearly production, which is uh, absolutely good for the Hungarian market. 85% is consumed domestically. Around 15% goes to the international market for export. Uh, and uh, just as Andrea mentioned, that the, the, the quality, which is constantly rising, that's the future of the Hungarian wines because we don't need any more volume producing. We have to much more focus on the quality. And now it's already since the 90s, there's the second and third generations already involved in the wine business uh, and wine production, which is also, it's a very, very important thing because a lot of young people with full of enthusiasm and uh, keen to, to show the world how precious the Hungarian wines. Andrea, I have a question for you. So back when the, the communists controlled Hungary and they took the land from, from the people and you were only allowed to have whatever, the one hectare acre. When, when the communists rule was broken, were you able to go back and claim that land that was at one point in your family and get it back? Yeah, it was a, a little bit funny because you got some uh, families got some kind of, I don't know the right word for translation into English, uh, kind of vouchers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. that you, you can get uh, get a piece of land what you had before but yeah. it was not the same land what you owned before okay. it was a land somewhere else maybe so it's uh, okay. it a not, not the same quality um it was not so it was not working well so you could uh, mostly the families could not get back the same exactly the same land what okay. they had before because yeah. we got that too yeah um, so. i uh, remember I, when, I remember when i was there and uh was telling the story of him and how his family's, you know, land was taken from him and yeah. all of that. By the time he finished the story, I was in tears here, you know, like it, it's, it, it was such a, you know, I, I keep going back to us, you know, stupid American. We just don't, you know, you're not living through that. You don't see that. It's so hard to picture it. And then to hear the stories of the people who lived through it um, was, was so impressionable you know three years later i still remember his, you know what it was what he was telling me yeah um, but i didn't realize you couldn't get back the same piece of land i mean i was i don't want to say i was young when this happened but it wasn't explained to me 100 percent yeah so i say that we do more happy things okay <laughs> We went from Hungary just making a lot of wine for to export it out to, I can attest to some seriously high quality wine today. So let's get tasting okay. some of this wine. I've got mine. Which one should I taste first? Who wants to yeah. go? Well, it's two different vintages, but uh, the one is uh, with the Trintash, uh, Erhard's wine. It's... Uh, 2016 is a premium. Okay, that's this one. And and uh, Andrea's wine is 2017, but that's the super premium. Okay, okay. so we, normally, uh, of course, we follow the vintages, but in this case, because what is premium, what is super premium, we would start, the, I think, the premium with our hearts wine, and then okay. with Andrea's wine. Ooh. 
Okay, so um, nice black. As, as we already have learned, um, this um, the, the grapes are grown in the Chico sub area. Uh, okay, first I have I have to uh, explain if you show this bottle and yeah, it, if you look, it's different because uh, Trinitas we had a uh, trademark issue in the U.S., so oh, we had to keep Trinitas or. <laughs> Um, have a new label for for the 2016 for a tasting table, and we had to deliver it to another uh, importer. So stickers where we made the Trinitas name black, because there's a winery in California with this name, and so we yeah had some issues there. So in in the U.S. we will not sell this as Trinitas anymore. For 2017, we are looking for a new name, which might be feasible also in the U.S. So we will see what we will decide in the next uh, few weeks what what's the, what the other reason. Okay, um, this Initash or this uh, Villani Franc from 2016 was mainly sourced from a vineyard, which is definitely called Trinitas. Uh, this, this name Trinitas goes back, to, I think, to the 8th century. Uh, it's um, a hillside in the Wokhain region. It's a small village, but it's also a hillside. And um, we, have, we have planted up there this uh, Capron. It's a plateau, which is gorgeous because uh, during the day you have sunshine, during the night you have cooler um, temperatures. It's also good because it's uh, partly surrounded by forests, so it cools quite uh, well down. It also, uh, when, when it's wet and it's windy, it's, it's, um, it dries out very well. So this is for me, this is one of the perfect places to grow. Uh, grape varieties, doesn't matter which one, but definitely also for uh, Capron. And this is also um, based on the two top clones, the uh, two top French clones. We used 327 and 214 uh, on Fertical, which gives us very, very low yield. So, so we have uh, currently 25 hectoliters per hectare, which is very, very low. And also, okay, on the other hand, we have the issue with a little bit higher. Um, alcohol levels but as, as we can see with this uh, wine you have um, close to six grams acidity so that balances um, the wine as well um, we major or fermentation the the, um, the alcoholic fermentation is around um, 14 days we now started to, to have even a bit, little bit longer and the maturation in uh, the barrels uh, is uh, 24 months. We use, um, for 2016 we use mainly Hungarian oak. Um, we now on the way to also bring in some French oak and use top, more top Hungarian oak to um, even lift the quality of the wine itself. And after this uh, 24 months, we, we 
put the wine together in, in a um, um, steel, stainless steel tank that they grow together for two months and then bottle it. Uh, you said that it was clone 214, and what was the other clone? 327. 327. And, you know, I we have these classifications. Are you, are you determining which classification you want it to go into while you're going through the winemaking process? Or after you're tasting it in barrel, you then submit to a specific classification? Okay. Uh, first of all, definitely the second part, but I think this would also go into a super premium category. The only reason is this vineyard is not registered for super premium. So um, we've, we fulfill all the requirements. Again, we have 20, uh, 20, uh, 25 hectares per hectare. We age it uh, for two years even in, in, in barrels, not only hardly in, in bottles and barrels. So, and I think quality-wise, it's, uh, yeah. It's, it should go into super premium, but as I export, let's say 90 or more than 90% abroad, nobody abroad knows about this, this um, classic premium, super premium category. Uh, it's also already relatively complex or complicated to explain to my foreign clients what's what's behind that. So currently, I'm only pushing Hoyman. That that's the point, and and always like to try have a a, a kind of brand name, uh, which also gives me gives a certain uh, yeah that, that you can refine it. I was really, I mean, in researching, I didn't realize that there was classifications. So now that just, you know, opened my eyes to, you know, yeah. Hungarian but wine because I, I, I I've bought Hungarian is, wine in the in, in the past and just never, yeah. never knew. I have to explain this to to, uh, to the clients. It's known in Hungary now, but. Uh, if you want to transform this into uh, abroad, you need to have some, quite a lot of uh, money to do some marketing. If nobody knows about this, that that's a problem. So I don't have the power, the financial and power. Also educating. So that's I have ed mm -hmm. educating the people yeah. about yeah. the classifications. Yeah. And this classification um, protocol, there you have a like um, a group that are they take they're tasting this wine there because they come through and they're checking up on you, correct? So can you just explain how the the regulations how they make sure how how you're guaranteeing them, I guess that that these classifications are done because they're checking on you. Who wants to? Answer. So there is a regular classification board. I mean, the board. Tasting that's board. the word board. <laughs> uh, who taste every uh, Cabernet from uh, Villain from wine uh, based on the, the classification level of the producer mark. Okay. And uh, there is a general board and there is a specific board 
for Villa Antronica Benifrom. And they are the only one who can uh, make a decision is this category is fulfill the requirement of the premium or the super premium category. So this is not from outside. This is from uh, a very small group of people, experts, winemakers from Beeline, who made the decision, who has a right to make the decision uh, to uh, evaluate uh, the system and the wines. Perfect, perfect. I, that that word board was going out. I couldn't think of it. <laughs> and then, Erhard, I don't know if you can answer this or not because it is in America. Do you know what this would retail for for people here in the United States who would like to purchase it? Um, I can find it out. Hold on for a second there. Okay. <laughs> I will find it out during the, the yeah. Perfect, perfect. And while you're searching. Let's try. Let's try right. wine. Andrea's wine. So the next wine is. Uh, it's a lot different. A lot different in aromas. Mm -hmm. I, I smell That's more. That's what I was telling. That's what I was telling. Even if they are not so, uh, not so, uh, uh, no, not at a big distance uh, from each other. Yeah. Two locations, but they can give really different character and different characteristics. What you can find in the nose, on the palate. So it's yeah. Uh, that's this has more baked. Baked fruit, I think, in it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Um, I gotta keep it's a warmer, warmer location. Yeah. So um actually um we are working with Cabernet from for a long time, almost 30 years. So our first vintage was 92, what we made uh with the family, and um um we do not make it every year. So we uh, we do uh make this wine only in the best vintages. So um it's very, very interesting when we do um uh vertical tasting. So when we taste through all these vintages, what we have done so far, and um, it's, uh, it's really uh, visible and tasteable, the difference uh, between the, the, uh, the wines of the 90s and the wines after 2000. Uh, it was a big, big change. And actually, it shows also our way of learning and how we uh, made and softened those, always the wine, made the refinement all the time, because we were learning. Our wine, our location, our vineyards, our um, our winemaking and viticulture. So, um, um, if we would like, if we talk about the wines of the '90s, they were a little bit uh, had, um, I would say, more tannins, uh, more direct tannins, and um, the wines were more robust, I would say. And of course, at that time, we were working with. Uh, uh, a, a bit higher yields in comparison to the, today. So, um, uh, and after 2000, that was, I can, I would say that was a big change. 2000 was a vintage was a big change in our region. So from 2000, uh, we were working with um, five, six bunches, only with five six bunches per vine, not more for the top wines, also for the Cabernet Franc. So it means around 0 0.7 kilograms per vine. Um, and the tannins were not not that much direct. They were more velvety, more round. Uh, they are there. They are present. Um, uh, when the wines are young, of course, more present than, than later. So, But there were more fruitiness in the wine and um, more kindness, more roundness. Okay, it was also a bit higher alcohol. But I think uh, we are focusing in our winery very much uh, to have not too high alcohol because that can bring also the wine out of balance. 
So, and I'm, to be honest, I'm never checking the alcohol on the label. <laughs> Only when I, when I, after tasting, I feel that it stands out. So if, it, if it's burning my throat, then I, I, I'm checking uh, what's, what's the alcohol level. And also a 13.5% uh, alcohol can stand out if the wine has not enough body. So uh, not only the 14 or the 14 and a half percent. So, um, so that's, uh, these wines are more, more lovely after 2000 or more lovely, more, more uh, uh, what, what people would love to taste, what love to drink. And um, if we are talking about our Cabernet France, uh, we were always striving for, uh, for elegance, for balance and for harmony. That's the most important uh, thing. And um, we were always um, uh, experimenting with fermentation, fermentation temperature, stainless steel or oak fermentation, uh, where to do the malolactic fermentation in oak or, or together with the alcoholic fermentation. So there were many, many points and uh, decision points what we had to make uh, in these years. Um, now we have answered almost all the questions in these last uh, 20 years to 30 years. Uh, so we have, we can say we have a recipe for the Cabernet Franc, what we, what we do, of course, not all the vintages are the same. So we have, uh, we have to change a bit, uh, all the time depending on the style of the vintage, but elegance, balance and harmony is always the, the, the key, uh, key when we do the Cabernet Franc. So what we are tasting, it's a, it's a, as I said, 100% Cabernet Franc and it's a single vineyard wine coming from the. Urdogarok, we say in Hungarian, that's the name of the vineyard. If we would like to translate, uh, it would say uh, Devil's Ditch. It's a quite steep area. I don't know whether, Laura, you have to see, uh, have, you have been there uh, visiting the, that place. It's beautiful, really. And it's also a newly recultivated area. Uh, my father was the one who started to recultivate first that part uh, of the region because that was in the, in the uh, state-owned cooperative sign that was left there, not cultivated anymore because it was too steep. So my grandfather told to my father, this is the place what you, when you, when you can, uh, can buy a place, uh, no, a plan, um, field here, uh, then please do it because that was one of the uh, best place to grow grapes for, for highest quality. So my father had done that and he started the recultivation program uh, beginning of the uh, of 2000 so uh, it's actually uh, you have to imagine devil's ditch like a closed valley so the worm gets stuck in there it ripens the berries uh, uh, in a very nice way so the tannins are always velvety in this uh, in this wine ripe and velvety actually we do not like over ripeness so that's why we we take care very much on the harvest time uh, to find the, the ideal point and uh, the wine was aged um, 16 months in oak. First, we used uh, only, uh, at the beginning, we used only new oak, 225 uh, liter barrels. Um, okay, testing a little, little, many different types of oak, French oak, American oak, uh, Hungarian, different types of, Ameri uh, of uh, Hungarian oak as well. Uh, but now, finally, we are using only Hungarian oak because we, we think that the style of the Hungarian oak matches very, very well our style of wines. Um, but we are using only oak coming from the northern part of the country because uh, there the tannins of the oak are much softer and we have enough tannins in our, in our grapes, so we do not need more tannins from the oak. 
So that's why we use the northern part uh, oak uh, from uh, from Hungary because that gives very nice elegance uh, to the wine, and it integrates itself in a very nice and elegant way into the into the wine. So 16 months in oak, and we use uh, 300 liter barrels, so a bit bigger than the than the normal, let's say, barrique uh, size, 220 uh, 225. Um, that was also a longer experimentation uh, to make that decision. And uh, after that, we, we age the wine in the bottle. Of course, we have to do that two years aging to reach the super premium level. Uh, but we do a bit longer because 16 months in oak, and then we age around one year in, uh, in the bottle before it enters the market. So a bit, uh, a bit longer. And since 2015, we, we make two single vineyards, uh, Villani France, uh, in the best vintages. The other, the other location is the Star Valley, uh, which gives a totally different character and different style of Cabernet from, because this is not, not a very closed valley as the Devil's Ditch, uh, what we are tasting now. It's a more open valley, not that steep. It's more fruity, uh, a little bit more freshness in there. And um, actually, we do the, the, the vineyard work, the yield control, the aging, everything as we would do uh, for the super premium quality level. But unfortunately, sometimes we cannot wait uh, two years of aging. <laughs> uh, we do the 16, years, uh, 16 um, uh, months in oak, same aging uh, as with this wine. But uh, sometimes we cannot age such a long time in the bottle because the pressure of the market is a, is a bit bigger. So we have to uh, sometimes come out a bit earlier uh, with the wine because when it's uh, out from the market, then we cannot wait so long because of the restaurants and, and uh, retail shops. So that's why this uh, Star Valley Cabernet Franc is uh, premium, only because it's a shorter aging in the bottle. And uh, this is with the, uh, the one we are tasting there, we wait uh, for the two years and then it's, it reaches the super premium uh, level. I got a question for both of you. What is, do you think is the ageability of each of these Cap Francs? Like, should I sell her this for five years, 10 years? For sure, they can, they can uh, live for 20, 20, uh, 25, 30 years, we say. <laughs> okay, 20, 20 years uh, easily they, have to, they can do. So now we are tasting sometimes 92s, uh, even with a higher yield, uh, uh, yield as uh, in comparison today. And they really show a very nice, very nice face. And they are almost 30 years. So we say 20 years easily what they can uh, do. So they are now young vines, both, I think what we are tasting now. Okay. Um, yes, if you look at the age of my French clones, they are now 10 years old. In 16, they were, this were the, the sixth year. So uh, already there, they showed quite a good uh, complexity. But I expect when, when the wines get older, that uh, the quality of the, the wine will rise so dramatically. I'm quite sure about this. I don't know if, if it uh, merges very well for 20 or 30 years, but because I don't like uh, too old wines, it's, it's always a question of personal taste. Uh, I prefer, let's say, all the wines within that, uh, yeah, maximum 10 to 15. Um, Karen has a question and she wants to know where she can buy Hungarian Cab Franc in the States, particularly Northern California, because that's where she lives. I have an importer in California, uh, Euro Drink Importer. 
So they sell uh, currently my 2015 training dash or Villani And it's a, of course, it's a protected flower. So we uh, have to take care um, very much of these flowers. And um, the Appellation Control System in Villagne chose uh, this flower as a sign of, uh, of the Appellation Controlled Wines. So the sign, uh, what Andras was showing on the bottle, uh, can be found on each bottle, which is part of the uh, Appellation. So which fulfills that regulation, which is uh, written, uh, which, which is written in the, in the, in the Appellation uh, uh, regulation, in the classic, premium, and super premium level. Uh, of course, super premium only for Cabernet Franc. Uh, and yeah, I think it's beautiful that we chose this flower because it's uh, it's very special and unique for Villagne, what you can find never, never, never where else. Perfect. Perfect. And, it's, uh, and the flower re uh, represents this DHC, Districtus yes. Hungaricus Controlatus, which is the Hungarian AOC or uh, DHC or whatsoever. Yeah, By the way, Lori, you had asked me what the price yeah. of my cat yeah. is. $34 at tasting table. And how about you, Andrea? Uh, Erhard, can you help me? What is the changing? <laughs> what? I don't know. I don't know how much is now foreigns and euros, uh, foreigns and US dollars. <laughs> okay. Uh, how much? Okay. How how much uh, is it in in? Uh... It's eight. It's uh, eight thousand six hundred forints. Uh, this is the retail price. Eight thousand six hundred. Yep. But in the US or? Uh, no, I or in at your recalculation. place. Recalculation. It's yeah. Uh, it is in our place. In our place. Yeah. So hold on for a second. I have taste hungry shop here. Oh, you have that. Oh, perfect. Okay, so yeah, maybe open, then I, I don't know by heart what they. So should we send people to Taste Hungry to get the wine? Can they mail order like in the states? Can they order the wine from Taste Hungry and have it shipped? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. I believe. I believe at Taste Hungry it was thirty nine dollars, Andrew, because when I was looking, the same prices. Yeah. Thirty nine ninety. Yeah. 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 When I was trying to get it here to Jersey, I think I saw thirty nine. So. Excellent. So, Deb, we, we've reached the hour. Do you have any other, any final questions for that? I, I don't. I've, um, my questions have been answered. <laughs> my last thing before we let you go is kind of a combination question. So if somebody wants to come and visit your amazing wine region, which I highly, highly recommend, where, how do you recommend them coming? And how do they get to you? Like, I know you're really close to the Croatian border, but we flew into Budapest. Like, which is a, you know, which is the recommended way to get to you? Yes, I, I would say still get to Budapest by, by plane, and from then, if you want to rent a car, is not too expensive, and it's on the highway. It's two hours from there, so it's uh, from the airport to the wine region door. It's no more than two hours, so it's. Uh, but then you have to take care about it because in Hungary there is zero tolerance 
So it's you have to park, alcohol, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's you have to park down your car, leave the key at the reception, and rent the bike. <laughs> and bike around the region. But it, you uh, may not drive with the bike on, on normal roads, then then you're fine too. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> you can you can ride it all around the region on bike. And you can stop by many, many different uh, wineries with not just with wine, but also with some accommodation and some with brilliant food. Oh wow! I'll I'll be there. Just a matter of when. Okay. <laughs> the sooner the better, because I I that's one of the things to go back to my family roots. So it's a four season. It's a four season region, so you can come any season. Good. Yeah. It'll probably be off season because I own a restaurant and we're closed January, February, March. <laughs> yeah. March will be great. And hopefully, you know what? If you're ever in the states, I'd love to do a Hungarian wine dinner, featuring the wines. There you go. allowed to go into the U.S. Uh -huh. with respect to COVID nineteen. I think it's still not possible. Yeah, when travel opens up again for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if you've, you're in, the, in New York City, yeah. I'm, what, two and a half hours south of New York City? Pack well, the COVID we'll, test. Yeah, we'll have, we'll, we'll have Chef, I'll have to get my um, family cookbook out and have Chef uh, do something with the Hungarian recipes I have. And um, we'll do some Hungarian wine tasting, wine tasting and stuff. would love to do that. Okay. Finally, uh, Andrea, how about you? You want to just tell people where they can find your winery, easiest way on the web, social media? Are you anywhere there that they can find you? Yeah, we have, uh, I think the best way is to find uh, us on our uh, own website. It's very simple. It's uh, gere, so G-E-R-E dot H-U. And there you can find everything about us. But we are also there on the social media, of course, at, uh, with the name Gere Attila Winery. Erhard? Um, com. that's the website. Um, I have two um, Instagram accounts, Erhard Hoyman and Hoyman7920. I'm uh, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, yeah. <laughs> These are, yeah. Hoymans are everywhere. <laughs> well, thank you guys yeah. so much. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you for joining us. It's it's been wonderful. Yes. Yes. Thank thank you. It was a pleasure. Andrea, we, don't want to, we don't want to cut you off. How can people find you also? It was our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. from our side. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers, everyone. Okay. Thank you so yeah. much. So much. Bye -bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of Exploring the Wine Glass. Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoytbud. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Music? Is wine by Kevens. Until next week, slancha.